So a lot of times uh, when we're looking at what we want our lives to look at or look like, well, when we're looking at what we want our lives to look like or look similar to, we're oftentimes comparing things like, oh, I want a big house like so-and-so, or I want to be happy and in love like these couple goals, or I want to, you know, drive this and be in this place with these people. And I want to go on this trip like them because it looks so good. And what I do know that joy is not, it's not comparison because comparison is the thief of joy. So I'm very quick to nip that in the bud. Anything that looks like anything that anybody else is doing, it it's, it's not guaranteed that it's going to bring me joy. Doing the things that your soul must have, um, living an authentic life, these are all sources of joy. And the byproduct of joy or the fruit of joy is being able to walk into a room or sit at a dinner table or have a phone conversation with people. And, and you know, without a shadow of a doubt that your life is impacting theirs in a positive way. That is the byproduct and the fruit of joy. When you live authentically and when you are running your own race and when you are consistent and, and practice gratitude, you cannot help but attract people to you that you will in turn help with your life. Um, so the byproduct of joy is the fruit that it bears in those relationships, in that imprint, in that footprint. And I know a lot of times we want to we want to be on the platforms and we want to be an influencer and we want to influence millions of people. I want all of these followers so that they can hear what I have to say. And that's great. Your impact can still be just as great in that classroom of children that you teach or in that office of 60 people that you may see a week or at that dinner table or lunch table with toxic relatives when you continue to show love and show up authentically or in in a boardroom where you have to practice uh, kindness, grace and and assertiveness. Like there are ways to show up in the world, radiate your joy and bear that fruit in those relationships. What's happening with you beautiful people? It's your host, Drake, or B. Drake, back with another Makings of You. And this morning, this afternoon, this evening, we're happy to introduce to y'all, Bianca. Hey. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so thankful for the invitation, and I am just excited to uh, hear what you have to ask and just delve a little deeper into the makings of Bianca. That's going to be fun. Oh, look, look, she come ready, y'all. <laughs> she, she came ready. Okay, I'll just let you know. Oh, I did not mention before. Um, but you got somebody with you. But if you need to grab some tissue, anything like that, that's absolutely okay. We don't know. I need tissue. You may not. Wait, what? You may not. Cause it's just, uh, I may not. I may not. I may exactly. Not. These are the same questions we ask all of our guests. Okay. okay. So, okay. but nobody can answer them like Bianca. Okay. Nobody right. should answer them other than Bianca, you know, unless you're close, close friends. But yeah. this is, once again, you said this is a deep dive on you. All right. You look at you like, you don't even know what you're getting into. But it's going to be. Fun. I'm like, I don't think I need it right now. I think I'm good. But we'll see. But, but yeah, we'll see. But there's no wrong answers. Okay. Because these okay. are your answers. All right. These are your okay. responses. And we value all of them. But awesome. yeah. let's get into it. You ready? Yes. I'm ready. Let's go. 
Okay, Bianca, first question. How would you describe yourself? That's a great question. Um, I would describe myself as um, loving to my friends and my chosen family. Um, I would describe myself as um, something that I don't always want to be all the time, but resilient, mm. um, logical, I'm creative. I am loved, which, you know, being a spout and being the thing that holds the water, I can be loving and I can be loved. Um, and I would also say that I am a firecracker. That's a good one. Okay, a firecracker, a firecracker. Like this, like this. <laughs> Bianca, what cultures do you represent? Ooh, come on, culture and ethnicity conversation. Did they teach y'all that in CRT? No, because they took it out the schools. Mm. So, so, so um, if we're looking at the overarching idea of what we call culture, right, uh, within certain communities, when you talk about culture, it's easy to identify what culture is, right? If, if I'm talking to you, I'm going to perceive that when I talk about culture, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know that I'm talking about music and art and food and inside jokes and the light being over the stove at nighttime. You're going to understand that because you understand this part of culture. And so I think that it's fair to say that as a woman, as a black woman, and as a black woman in America, there are several different cultures uh, in which that I feel like I identify. Um, but by and large, uh, the culture that I feel like has influenced me the most, and this is not just American, even though I would dare say American culture has influenced me 80% or more, is that uh, I identify with the culture of the diaspora, and that's peas and rice on every island, that's uh, music and hip shaking, that's um, family, that's religion, that's uh, music, that's um, that's love. Those are those are hugs. Their sense, their feelings and emotions, and the culture of Black people throughout the diaspora, um, from from being in Atlanta, Georgia, to being in Pretoria, South Africa, feels so similar. Um, so I am proud to be a woman that identifies with the culture of the African diaspora. Love it. Look at hey, look at you. That's what we're talking about right there. You, hey, these questions are very specific for a reason. But hey, yeah, they're open-ended, they though. They're open-ended. They are. Mm -hmm. So, where are you from? I am from... <coughs> Say it with my chest. Can you pass it by hat? Uh, I really want it to be clear. Because if you don't know... Okay. ATL, ho. I am from Atlanta, Georgia. Southside, to be specific. Clayton County made and raised baby mm. out the mud. Mm. But uh, I, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, my my, my um, mother's, my biological mother's side of the family is from the Bahamas. So we have a lot of South Florida and Caribbean influence in my family and in just the way that I was raised that I didn't realize until I got much older. I'm like, that's a very West Indian thing to do or say or cook or, you know, experience. Um, and then on my biological father's side of the family, he's from Atlanta. His mother is a Native American woman. And um, I'm not sure that any of that influenced my upbringing. 
um, him being from Atlanta definitely did because Lord. Um, but yeah, I, I am from Atlanta, Georgia. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. So we both Southerners. So I would tell people, this is a question that always hangs me up because of my morals and tradition okay. is, do you mind sharing your age with us? I am 35 okay. years old. Durant. Okay. And, and the reason that um, I don't feel like we shy away from age as much as we once upon a time did in previous generations is because um, I think even today, uh, having a lunch, a late lunch dinner with one of my sisters and realizing she's 46 years old. And I'm like, dang, 46, like you look great. But also recognizing that 46 doesn't look like 46 did 20 years ago to yeah. me, um, let alone 10 years ago to some people. Um, and so I'm very proud of the age because it's filled with lifestyle mileage. It's filled with experience. It's filled with um, celebration and love and education and understanding and kindness and struggle and, and triumph. So I'm all them years and be proud of them. I'm 35 years old. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you. I appreciate the breakdown as well. Yes. So what's your sign? I am a Sagittarius. Not I wanted to say it with some more excitement. The judgment will soon come, I'm sure. But I am Sagittarius. Trust me, we 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 get a lot of those on here. So, but we appreciate y'all. Y'all are value. Y'all don't cause that much chaos here on everything culture. Okay, we kind of line it up. We don't we don't try. Sometimes it just shows up. But okay, okay. So, <laughs> um, how would you describe your childhood and upbringing? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, so uh, I say that I'm from Atlanta because Atlanta is what I know. I moved here when I was around three or four. Uh, my biological parents were in the military. And so we lived, I was born in um, uh, Fort Pierce, Fort Lewis, whatever, Tacoma, Washington, whatever the, the, um, the army base is up there. That's where I was born. And um, we lived a couple of different, we left, lived in Germany, South Carolina, Texas for a little bit, I think. And then we moved to Atlanta. And so me beginning, uh, not pre-K, but kindergarten, Atlanta is what I knew. And um, my parents, my biological parents were married when they had uh, me. And like most people their age, I can imagine that they experienced, experienced challenges and they did a separation when I was in the third grade. So I ended up going to West Palm Beach, Florida, where my biological mother is from for a year. And I went to a gifted school that had like, I dare say like 70% Jewish children. And and the rest of the children were white. And I was like one of, one, one black girl in my class and the other girl was a biracial girl. So. Um, living in that community and being in a program that, um, that uh, I guess, highlighted my intelligence or my ability, my capability to learn and, and regurgitate, um, I learned early that in <laughs> sometimes in those settings, you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice some things for where you're going to be placed, right? You have to sacrifice some things for the platform. So I got teased a lot for being too smart 
And that carried on to when we moved back to Atlanta, I went to a school with a gifted program in an all black school. And it's the why you talk like a white girl. It's the um, you think you better than everybody. It's the um, you don't dress like us because we ain't have no money. Um, so it was very interesting coming back to Atlanta and experiencing that, knowing that we have we're coming from the dare era. Right. It's um, don't do drugs. Go to college. Get your degree so you can be somebody and live the American dream. And now we know that's a lot. Right. We, we all know that's a lot. But um, but that's what we were. Shown. So I'm like, I'm being shunned for doing the thing that I was supposed to do. Be smart and, you know, do the things. So I think I started learning about like societal structure, classism, um, education and stuff like that as early as probably like the third grade, second or third grade. And um, moving throughout school was not easy. Um, we were we didn't have a lot of money. My, my biological parents divorced when I was 11 or 12 and we lived, me and my older brother lived primar primarily with my mother, um, solely with my mother. And she was a single parent with a single person's income in Clayton County, Georgia, with two kids. So we moved around a lot. I went to a lot of different schools. I went to 14 different schools before I graduated high school. Um, I fought my eighth and ninth grade year religiously because of bullying, um, which is, I think, where my quit wit came from. I used to be very quiet and, um, you know, let the stuff roll off. But I had to learn how to fight in Clayton County. When the, when the children are, are coming at you and they put hands on you, you got to fight back. So eighth and ninth grade year was really, really tough. It was a lot of breaking down of my self-esteem, of my identity, of who I, I believed I was in regards to value. And um, that was being torn down daily. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. And then when I uh, started going to a different school, 10th grade year, and then I think it kind of mellowed out. Um, so that was cool. Um, I was part of a program through a seminary here in Atlanta, the largest uh, consortium of uh, seminaries, black seminaries in the world, the Interdenominational Theological Center. And shout out to Drs. Anne E. Streety Wimberly and Drs. Edward Wimberly for their footprint in the Youth Hope Builders Academy. They have given me family, friends, education, um, identity, structure, love, um, and that they are a huge part in why I chose to attend Clark Atlanta University. I was a psychology and religion double major. And um, I, I have to thank the Youth Hope Builders Academy and the Faith Journey Partnership and Parish Ministry for introducing me to scholars, like not just people that, that you know, you're popular for articles on psychology today, but people that are doing the work. Um, black identity in Christian spaces. Um, me wanted to be a Christian youth counselor until I was like, child, no, I don't want to do that. But that foundation, the foundation of my church family, uh, Love Life Christian Fellowship Church in Ellenwood, Georgia, um, just that love and community I received in a very, very tumultuous, ugly time for my immediate family, um, they supplemented so much of that. So I'm I am largely in part who largely who I am because of those communities that surrounded me with love and education and confidence and a voice and helped me finding my voice and um, seeking uh, people in the room that align with with 
who I want to be and not necessarily who I felt I was at the time. Um, so uh, finished with Clark Atlanta University, started um, working and doing the things. But yeah, that's, I feel like childhood ends a little bit after college. I know we like to say 18, but that that childhood, that that's that college life. Um, I, I include that too, yeah. You sure you ain't listen to the, the the everything culture? You sure ain't listen to the. I promise. Am I saying something wrong? What am I doing? Uh, yeah, people who listen to this, you can <laughs> answer like the next five, six questions, but we appreciate that. Let's oh look. no! No, no yes, no. Sorry. sorry. I was trying to be thorough. I don't know how how in depth you want me to go on the questions. You're doing a great job. Okay. That's that's hey, a great job. You know why? Why? Because it's, it's my story. It's there the making you go. Of me. There you go. It's the makings of you. That's what it's all about. So, I'm telling you, you hit like boom, boom, boom. I'm like, I love how it's flowing. Yeah. But yes. What was your first sense of responsibility? Ooh. And I was a psych major too. So go ahead. And I love Clark because I'm so there. My first sense of responsibility that I can recall ever. Ever. When did you feel like I'm responsible for this? So it's two different things. Feeling responsibility for myself, like I need to be respond, I need to make good choices to like move throughout life as a person. I was in the first grade and I was a latchkey kid. So having to ride the bus or carpool or whatever, no parents at home. First grade now, you six or seven, I would dare not leave a six. Anyway, having to come home, make your noodles, do your homework and all of that. I'm like, I have to be responsible at six or seven. That was my my earliest. But if I'm thinking about being responsible for a thing or like a duty that is mine outside of just school, um, my youngest sister, my oldest little sister, Jasmine, she is 12 years younger than me. And when she was born, my godparents left me with her like, OK, we're doing date night. I've never watched a child before. And I'm here with this baby. She's looking at me like, you gonna keep me alive? And I'm like, I guess so, girl, let's do this. <laughs> um, but she was my first, I, f I feel like my first act of responsibility outside of myself. Um, she was that for me, my baby Jasmine, so yeah. Love it, love it. Mm -hmm. And I skipped this question, cause you kind of answered, but I'm gonna go back to it. Okay. Do you have any siblings? Yes, so I have a half-sister from my biological father's previous marriage. Um, she lives in Atlanta. She is married with two kids or three kids, two kids. Um, I have a brother from my parent, my biological parents' union. He is four years older than me. And then I have two younger god-sisters from my godparents' marriage. Um, they are... Uh, they will soon be 23 and 21 uh, in the next couple of weeks. But um, those are, and then I, of course I have a host of Spelman sisters, Morehouse brother, Clark Atlanta brothers and sisters, you know, that whole thing. But yeah, those are my, my siblings. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Love it. So what was your first job? Let me click and first taxable job. My first taxable job. So I was, I was 
privilege, right? Because I didn't necessarily have to pull up at anybody's McDonald's or Piggly Wiggly mm-hmm. or Baskin Robbins. Mm. Um, I worked, I babysat like crazy. I worked as uh, the assistant to the pastor in my church, and that's a nonprofit, so you end up paying your own taxes. And I think my first job job, and I worked at the church summer camp and stuff, but that doesn't feel, my first job job was, I worked at Baskin Robbins for like three months in undergrad, worst decision of my life. And then I also worked at Macy's in Cumberland Mall in Atlanta. So yeah, Baskin Robbins was my first, where they took the taxes out of my check job. Mm-hmm. What did Baskin Robbins do to you? <laughs> it was just it was in the it was in little five, not little five points it was in five points downtown Atlanta. Uh, five points is the hub where all of the trains meet, so mm-hmm. you get all types of people. There's a high homeless population. It's right outside of the underground, so you get anybody strolling in there doing anything. I was working for people that did not necessarily um, understand my culture and understand me in school. So it's just a very interesting experience um, overall. Shout out to Baskin Robbins, though. Like y'all keep doing what you're doing. Keep keep milking the cows and giving them cream. That's great. Big shout out, y'all! Ain't, y'all not sponsoring us. Just let y'all know that. But y'all could. But shout could. out to Bell too. Y'all you could. could. You could, but you're not. Exactly. So we just go keep going. So, how are you disciplined growing up? Oh. <sighs> Um, I was disciplined by not being able to go to things that that was the biggest thing because I was extreme. I tried to be social, but didn't realize that we were poor and being social costs money. So I didn't I think some of the things I was told I couldn't go to because we didn't have no money. And then some of the things were because of my mouth or my behavior, never my grades. I always had good grades, but my mouth or my behavior, particularly my mouth when I got older. I got very opinionated. Um, I wasn't, I don't feel like I was disrespectful, but I can imagine if I am paying someone's room, board, food, transportation, and doing all of these, and then I have the idea to say, you know, something slick out of my mouth. As a parent, I'm sure I'd feel the way too. Um, but I was disciplined by having things taken away, and then I was also disciplined um I think the last time I was spanked, I was like, I I I had to have been either in middle school. I was in eighth grade or ninth grade, and it didn't work. And so she was like, "Well, that's done." <laughs> I didn't cry. I just looked at her like, "Girl." I had a moment like that. I like, turned around and said, "Is that all y'all got?" Oh, oh. <laughs> Listen. You done? Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Because number one, why are you hitting me? That's number one. And number two, why are you hitting me nine times out of 10 over something that when I reflect back now, I made so much sense, but it was the sense I was making that made them mad. So that's where we are today. That's a conversation for the future. (laughs) Go pin that. We'll bring it back. I like it. I like it. I like it. So what were and what are your beliefs? What were my beliefs when? I want to know. Please give know. me a specific time. Because they change. Yeah, it didn't. Let's go through that change then. 
Okay. Um, if you would like to. Ooh, I'm trying to, that's, this is a slippery slope. Okay. So beliefs. I don't think that I started structuring what I believe about the world and believe about myself until I started going to a specific ministry regularly. Only because, not because the world wasn't already teaching me things that I should believe or know or think, right? Because media teaches us that. We learn things in school. You know, we there, there are tons of things that we learn. But it's the attachment that a lot of things have to whatever religion, whether you are Buddhist or you are a Hindu or you're Jehovah's Witness or you're uh, you practice Judaism or Christianity, whatever the case is, a large part of your identity is always going to be wrapped up in what those life shattering beliefs are, particularly surrounding where you spend eternity. Because if you lock in something here on earth, this is my ticket to whatever I'm feeling like eternity is. So it's cemented in our minds a little bit more. That's just personally what I believe. So um, what I started to believe when I was younger is um, <laughs> I'm going to say the way that I believed it then. And then I'm going to tell you how that is toxic. So I believe that um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believed that um, life and death lies in the power of our tongue. I believe that um, I can seek God for a thing and it will happen or or I will have it or um, God is going to bless me richly for the way that I move through the world operating within within the guidelines of the book that he's given us to live by. Right. These are all things that I believe. I believe that um, Christ grants eternal life once we accept, believe, and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. These are all things that I believe. Um, several of those things, um, I, I still believe uh, to an extent. I believe that my my life, my 35 years, that I don't want anybody taking away a year, okay? That's why all of them matter. All of the years matter. Because it is difficult to have a stance on something and say that you believe something if something has not been tested. And how else is it tested without time? And I'm grateful for my 35. So when I look at um, when I look at how I attach my identity, my future, my relationships um, to my faith, a lot of ways, and and this is something that I probably started recognizing around 2015 is that a lot of the things that we do are not necessarily a reflection of our heart's posture. Um, a lot of the things that we believe are somewhat believed out of fear, out of where you could be once you pass, not necessarily um, what you have a desire to, to live, think, or believe. And then the other thing is that a lot of that rhetoric indicates that God is your genie at your personal service which is dangerous and it is um it's inflammatory uh when you say it like that but if you look at a lot of our rhetoric when the praises go up the blessings gonna go down who said that who i want to see it so i've done a lot of reading i don't think maybe it makes you feel good that this demonstrative um exhortation or this demonstrative expression of your belief of your faith or your love is what is going to cause God 
the almighty, omniscient, omnipresent one to give you whatever you want just because you you tickle his fancy or her fancy or you you throw platitudes. You're so amazing. You're so strong. We love you forever. And then I'm going to get something back. God is not a genie. That's why life looks the way that it looks. If God was a genie, do you think your life would look the way that it looks right now? I don't think so. Regardless of all the good that you can do in the world, life will still happen. And so I went through a time in my faith and in ministry um, where I was, I felt like I had to choose between my mental health and my faith walk. Mm. Um, that was difficult because all that I knew about my health and my future, Jeremiah 29, 11, for surely I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for your harm to give you a future with hope. I'm thinking, regardless of what I'm going through right now, everything's going to be okay. Like, I just have to believe it. I have to will it. God is going to, and it's like, no, baby, this requires work. This requires you getting on somebody's couch this requires you getting out of your comfort zone to talk to people and to have meetings and to say things that you wouldn't normally say. God is not just going to show up at your beck and call at your service because you love God. That's not how that works. Um, and I, it sounds very simple to say. It sounds like, well, yeah, we know at 35, I know. But being raised in the church and being conditioned to believe that all of these different things that I'm doing are going to pay off in the end as if my good deeds and my great heart posture were just my ticket to something good. It wasn't like, oh, y'all don't really have to feel it. It's like you fake it till you make it. You just do. No. Um, so that's um, now as an adult, I do believe in the message of Jesus Christ. I believe in the love and the redempting power of Jesus and the, and the Lord's church, which is, was just a whole bunch of people like you and me that may be having margaritas at Bar Taco and somebody speaks a word into you. That's not even deep or spooky, but it's just like, I see you. I love you. You know, you're talented. I want to support you. How can I show up? Right. It doesn't have to be all of the, the fog machines and the strobe lights. And, and the people singing CCM on a loop. It doesn't have to be that. Um, so I, I I'm just saying. We just um, had this conversation the other day. But continue, continue. Not you and I, but it's, it's happening. Yeah. So um, I believe in the love and the message of Jesus Christ and the redempting power of Jesus and, and the Lord's church. I believe in the power of uh medicine. I believe in the power of therapy. I believe in the power of community. I believe in the love of community. I believe that everybody that we um, interact with in this life is for a purpose to teach us a lesson, great or small. Um, I do recognize that there is God in all people, even those people that you don't even want to talk to. I believe that um, we will have to account in some way it may not be some great long line outside some big pearly gates, but we will account in some way for all of the things that we've done, good, bad, and different, big or small. And um, I believe in living a life earnestly and truly that reflects how not how I want God to perceive me when I get to the gates or how I want this person to perceive me, but how I'm okay with saying that I'm living my life. 
am I okay with treating a person poorly? Am I okay for um, cussing somebody out because they truly don't understand? Am I okay with um, being manipulative or deceptive? Am I okay with lying? Am I okay with not giving 110% when I already have the green light to say, baby girl, this is your time to go. Like, you can do all of these things. You're like, am I discrediting the gift giver by not operating fully in my gifts? Am I okay with living like that? Um, so I think that the more that we align ourselves, the more that I have aligned myself with what I truly believe in my faith, um, as it relates to love and redemption and community, the more I am making decisions that I feel like are a reflection of who I truly want to be and, and want to be and leave a legacy for on this earth. Wow. Love it. I feel um, like that was a lot. I'm so sorry. That was no, so hey. <laughs> it, hey, I, I said it before. This is the makings of Bianca. And it's the reason why we ask these questions. Once again, these are this could, this episode you can share with your friends, family, people you trying that's trying to get to know you, like because this is important. You know, you're important. Everything you said right there, the connections happen for a reason, and everything yeah. culture is big on community. You know, yeah. and you no, know, I tell you, our mission statement later. I think you've heard it before, but all in all, being said, our next question: mm-hmm. Who has been the biggest influence in your life? The biggest influence. That's so tough. Hmm. That's a blessing to have that. That's so tough. The biggest influence in my life. Yeah, I probably should have got some tissues. So, um, (laughs) when I was around 12 um, or 11, we started going to this church. Um, the pastor at that church was mentored by my grandmother when they lived in West Palm Beach. And um, we started going there when my parents were going through a very ugly, tumultuous, um, damaging divorce, right? And um, this couple, who are now I call my godparents because it was very strange to like find a title for them. And I think we figured it out with the with the word godparents, but my godparents really made an effort to see me in ways that I couldn't, wouldn't, and couldn't and wouldn't see myself and probably never would have seen myself had they not um, taken the time to make the, the mute girl from Clayton County talk in these youth sessions or on trips or when I'm with them, um, uh, they have shown, and it's so interesting. A lot of this conversation is, are things that I said, uh, you know, the home going was today. So this is my godmom's uncle, her, her mother's sister's husband. And, um, when I was explaining to my friend, you know, how I'm connected to the family and all of that stuff, it, a lot of these things that I'm about to say, I said earlier today, which is why I'm like, man, this is confirmation. And it's a reminder to love on people and to let people know exactly how you feel about them while you still have the opportunity. Um, but my my godparents are the reason why I am not a mute girl <laughs> from Clay County, Georgia. They are the reason uh, why I've had... Um, 
so much um, experience with, with, (laughs) this is going to sound funny, with stepping out and just doing whatever the fuck I want to do. And when I say that, it's not in a disrespectful way. It's just that I was bound by so many, you know, you're poor, you're unattractive, you can't do this and you, you, you're going to have to figure this out and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, no, do it all. You want to do it? Just try it. And I never knew that that world existed. They have affirmed me and my gifts. They have um, welcomed me into their family. They're who I spend Christmases with and all of my birthdays with. And uh, brought me my first car, paid my tuition, uh, got me my first off-campus apartment. <laughs> um, they still parent me to this day. This is my my goddad is part of the reason why I negotiated so well going into my current job to where. Like there was no, there was nowhere else for me to go unless I moved positions. Um, so calling them for advice, talking to them about men, going to brunch with them and happy hours and, and trips and hugs and phone calls and like genuinely laughing and recognizing what family and love feel like and look like. Um, it would absolutely be my godparents, Angela and Daryl Finney. Shout out to Angela and Daryl Finney. Thank you for saying their names, too. You yes. have to ask that question again because I'm big on saying folks' names, especially yeah. contributed to your life and who yeah. you are. So, once again, huge shout out to them. We're going to follow up with them. Well, follow with you about them later, too. But Oh, yeah. They're awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. So, <clears throat> your hobbies. So, in addition to being the baddest bitch, not playing. I, what do I like to do? I like to, I love music. So the other part of my life is, is music. And so I love playlisting. I love uh, listening to new artists. I love listening to old music that I've listened to 10 million times. I love music. I love going to hear live music in the city. One of my favorite bands is the band Smoke uh, with Larry Wilson. That's my boy. Um, Eva Kennedy is an amazing artist in Atlanta. Dee Bake is an amazing artist in, in Atlanta. Carrie Epps, Mia Laquan, um, my people, they're just so amazing. Xavier Janae, um, just great uh, entertainers on, on uh, the Atlanta music scene, the independent scene. So I love going to hear live music. I love listening to music. Um, I love spending time with my little sisters. Anybody that knows me knows. If I am ever with my rats, and I call them my rats, uh, we started calling that each other that when the word ratchet got popular, I don't know, it was short for ratchet. So my rats, um, I love my little sisters. I love spending time with my God family. We, uh, in the pandemic, we started doing Taco Tuesdays weekly. So uh, spending time with them was the highlight of my weeks most times because we're locked inside. Um, I like trying new restaurants. I like hosting things at my house. I had a Grammy watch party. I had some other event here, a listening party for a friend. Um, What else do I like to do? I do like to travel. Um, I like to anything. I like to say that anything is fun if you have the right company. If you are with people that are willing to make things fun, it doesn't matter what you are doing. Me and my friend that's here right now, we went to this <laughs> hookah lounge by my parents' house. Um, yeah, very much giving quotes. 
by my parents' house and it was just hookah. Like everything else was a la carte. So you had to, I think they had liquor to buy. They didn't even have liquor to buy. They had games there. They had TV, but like you could bring in your own food. You could bring in your own liquor. Nobody was there. It's the middle of the day on a Sunday. We go, we play Jenga. We get cups and drinks from the Publix next door. We uh, put one of our speakers in a cup, our phones in a cup to make music. We had our only, it's about the company. It's never about what you're doing. So I'm sorry. Um, it's never about what you're doing exactly. So um, I think that anything is fun. Even the most mundane tasks or events are fun with the right company. Love it. I absolutely agree to that as well. Yeah. But it doesn't matter if I agree or not, because this is the makings of Bianca. If yeah. y'all tuning in, y'all make sure to like, share, follow, make sure mm-hmm. to ch- check out Bianca and the great things that they're doing. You know, we go sh- drop them handles in the description. Yes. Right. Next question. Okay. We need your recommendations. Okay. Okay. If you could recommend a book, a movie, and a television series, what would you recommend? Um, okay. Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. It is a book about her lived experience as a black woman and the experiences of other women and um, specifically black women and how, um, oftentimes our rage, our discomfort, our, um, lack of peace, our outburst, our, the physical that we were on our face, whatever the case is, is warranted given what we are handed and what we experience. And so, although, um, you know, typically we think about rage being loud, uh, the way that we have to maneuver through life with all of that rage and all of that uh, discomfort and disdain for what is happening in our world, in our communities, in our families, we still do it eloquently. We still raise our voice and we still um, impact um Everyone around us, beginning at our dinner tables. So, um, Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper is a wonderful book. Uh, TV show, This Is Us, because it is wholesome. And the people don't have wholesome TV. The people don't have wholesome TV. There, I hadn't seen wholesome TV in so long that when This Is Us, it was like an anomaly. It's like, this is so pure and from the heart and beautiful. And if you want to cry every week, watch it. If you don't, stay away. But This Is Us is a great show. This Is Us is beautiful. And then a movie. What type of person do I want to be today? So there are there are two movies that I watch as comfort movies when I'm trying to fall asleep. If I'm if I'm like, I'm gonna just put this on because I know I'm gonna fall asleep. Um, it's The Wolf of Wall Street with Leonardo DiCaprio and American Gangster with Denzel Washington. Both are violent and just grotesque the amount of cocaine use in the wolf of wall street is a lot the amount of violence in american gangster is a lot but it's like the acting is so great i think that's what it is for me um i like the plot I like the story i don't know those are just my movies and then i like a star is born because of the mu- the music but yeah those would be my my three okay thank you so uh eloquent rage by Brittany cooper mm-hmm. um this is us Guarantee you'll make you cry. I can I can make it past episode seven, season one. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's not happening. 
maybe eight like when they had the whole christmas episode and the boy yeah. i don't even know what happened after that i stopped i like because mm, if he's not living i don't want to watch no more yeah you don't play yes, with my yeah. emotions like that okay um yeah. very good very good and, <laughs> and you said then you have the exact opposite of what you said uh <laughs> exactly it's so wholesome let's get to killing people yeah, like what the, is that even yeah. <laughs> And there were American Gangster with Denzel and The Wolf of Wall Street with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Thank mm-hmm. you, thank you, thank you. So, <clears throat> you have a magic phone. A magic phone? You have a magic telephone. Okay. Magic cell phone, let me update it. You have a magic cell phone. You can call anybody, anything, whether it be real or fiction, here or gone, who would you call? You got three phone calls. Who? What do I get to? Am I asking for something or I just get to talk to him? You just get to talk to him. Oh. <sighs> okay. <laughs> this is about to be so morbid. Okay. So, oh, oh, oh. this is so bad because I don't even think of. Okay. I would, I would call. Oh, this is so hard because I have to justify why I'm calling them. I would call. Oh, this is so hard. Oh, I'm calling then Jonathan Majors. I'm calling Jonathan Majors. I'm calling Jonathan Majors. Because of recent events, our guest has recanted their first phone call. All right, back to the makings of Bianca. Next one, my calling. I am calling. Can I ask them a question? You, it's a whatever you want to ask them. It's your. I'm 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 calling Steve Jobs right before Apple launched, and I'm asking if he could make me a part of that. I want to be a part of that in some way. I would I would be a minority stakeholder. I would be something uh, something to where I'm investing in something. So we've got. Jesus. We've got Steve Jobs. And I am calling Cicely Tyson. Because, you know, we look at people in like Oprah and Tyler Perry. None of these people would exist without Cicely Tyson. Like it's, it's, there is a zero possibility of them existing without her. And her wisdom, her poise, her class, her experience, um, and just the love of a black woman is just so, um, you can't help us to surrender to it. So I can imagine giving her a hug would just, it would be amazing. So I'm definitely calling Cicely Tyson, but I'm calling her 40 years ago. Okay, so you playing with the time. I'll put you, hey, with the magic phone, you can do Imagine you said anybody, like anytime. I, I did say that. I did say that. And you you, you, hey, you worked your magic with it. I, I love yeah. it. I love it. So, what has been an impactful moment in your life? Um, An impactful moment in my life. Uh, My whole life changed after my suicide attempt. I had a suicide attempt in 2015, and that caused me to take a hard look at myself Um, my habits, the people that I was around, um, my beliefs, and and really um, invest in 
me and the life that I wanted to live and the person that I wanted to be. So uh, after two weeks in the hospital, I went to therapy and I've been in therapy since then. So this is uh, seven years of therapy coming up in the end of October. Um, would not change it for the world. The clarity that I have, the lack of um, the the wanting to please people that has gone out of the door, um, expectations and and lofty lofty goals without any like bread bread breadcrumb bread planning that's out the door. Um, a lot of the things that just helped me um, become I feel like a more stable person. And not that I don't have sad days. Seasonal depression has been whooping my ass since uh, January, but I know how to manage it. I'm not crumbling. I'm not succumbing to the heaviness uh, that can come with depression sometimes. And so um, that moment really, really uh, turned my life a whole 180 to just this brand new path uh, in all aspects, even in how I operate in friendship, uh, was different after that experience. So, wow, wow. thank you for sharing with us. I really appreciate no your transparency, not only with this question or the, this previous question, but all of them. You have been truly, authentically you. You know, oh. I don't even know you, but it seems like we're learning so much, and that's what we do here. Yeah, in culture. So, once again, yeah. greatly appreciate that. Of so, course. Switch it up a little bit. Okay. You may like this question. Let's see. What is your theme song? Ooh, what is my theme song? Mm-hmm. Uh. So. Ooh. I already know you're going to take a minute on this one. Because songs are just so important. Um. So my favorite song is different than my, I'm pulling up my Apple music now because <laughs> that's not going to happen. You can share your favorite song, but I didn't ask for your favorite song. I, asked I know. I'm trying to get a little bit of, it's like the library in my head is just going crazy right now. So I'm like, what is it? Um... This is so bad because it's not even on here. If you had a song, song. if you had a sitcom, if your life was a sitcom and every morning you woke up and you making a move, what song represents you the best? That's the best way I can put it. I would probably write it. So it probably doesn't exist um, because I haven't created it. But if I were to choose from an existing song, um... And this is probably not even. Ugh. You know what? And and I probably would. I would write it. So to be clear, I would write the song. It doesn't exist. But if I had to choose one, it would be "Church Girl" by Beyonce. That 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 tends to just encompass all of the things. Wow. There's liberation, there's freedom, there's joy, there's acknowledging pain, and there's also acknowledging systems of oppression that don't really serve you and looking over those to live your best life. So I, I appreciate Church Girl by Beyonce. Okay, that's a new one too, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. It's our okay. Renaissance. Renaissance World Tour. Yes. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that other topic <laughs> later. I'll come back to that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, how do you define joy? Um, I can tell you how I don't define joy. So, a lot of times uh, when we're looking at what we want our lives to look at, or look like well, when we're looking at what we want our lives to look like or look similar to we're oftentimes comparing things like oh i want a big house like so-and-so or i want to be happy and in love like these couple goals or i want to you know drive this and be in this place with these people and i want to go on this trip like them because it looks so good and what i do know that joy is not it's not comparison because comparison is the thief of joy so i'm very quick to nip that in the bud anything that looks like anything that anybody else is doing it it's it's not guaranteed that it's going to bring me joy doing the things that your soul must have um living an authentic life these are all sources of joy and the byproduct of joy or the fruit of joy is being able to walk into a room or sit at a dinner table or have a phone conversation with people and, and you know without a shadow of a doubt that your life is impacting theirs in a positive way. That is the byproduct and the fruit of joy. When you live authentically and when you are running your own race and when you are consistent and, and practice gratitude, you cannot help but attract people to you that you will in turn help with your life. Um, so the byproduct of joy is the fruit that it bears in those relationships, in that imprint, in that footprint. And I know a lot of times we want to we want to be on the platforms and we want to be an influencer and we want to influence millions of people. I want all of these followers so that they can hear what I have to say. And that's great. Your impact can still be just as great in that classroom of children that you teach or in that office of 60 people that you may see a week or at that dinner table or lunch table with toxic relatives when you continue to show love and show up authentically or in in a boardroom where you have to practice uh, kindness, grace and and assertiveness. Like there are ways to show up in the world radiate your joy and bear that fruit in those relationships um so i i feel like identifying joy is easier when we're able to identify what the fruit looks like because typically when we describe a joyful person we're looking at their countenance on the outside we're saying oh they always look so happy like i like twitch i never knew like I never knew he was always so happy. He was always dancing. He always had the music. Oh, like, gosh. and we're saying this is what joy looks like. Their marriage was so healthy. They left it. This is joy, and possibly could be, but solely re- relying on what the outside is going to say to tell you if something has joy or if you're experiencing joy or not. It, it doesn't serve me because I've been there. I've been smiling and performing and leading worship and being with my friends and doing all of the things and going home and being miserable to the point where I was like, this this life is not a requirement. I can peace out at any time. Didn't work. But joy, it looked like joy. It just wasn't. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm, help! What is going on? Well, hey, the makings of Bianca's going on right here. Wow! But, okay. hey, 
Same questions we ask everyone. What's again? Yeah. yeah. Ask away. Ask away. How you feeling? Do you need to break anything? No, I feel good. I'm fine. Okay. All right. Check Wait, it out. My are you good? Hey, what's going on? It's your host, Drake. Be Drake with everything culture. Just wanted to butt in real quick and ask for y'all support. Now, y'all know I greatly appreciate all the love that you're showing listening to the show. But I have to ask, could y'all please leave us a review? And if you don't know how to leave a review, don't worry. I got you. You can go to Apple Podcasts, find everything culture. Make sure to click on the name of the show. Scroll down to where you see ratings and reviews. Please hit that five stars or just leave your honest opinion. Then right under that, you can drop us a review. Um, Leave a subject line, the catchier, the better. And just tell us how you feel. That goes a long way with supporting us. But let's say you don't have an iPhone. What should you do then? We got you with that too. You can go right over to Spotify, find everything culture again, and you just want to hit on the ellipses at the top right, and it will pop up where you can rate the show. They see? There you go. There you have it. Now make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and anywhere else you may listen to Everything Culture. Um, we greatly appreciate your support. We love y'all, and let's get back to the conversation. Let's get back to the show. Peace. Okay, okay. Hey, friend, thank you for being good. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you can have any artist talent, who would be the artist, and what would be their talent that you could copy? Or, who? Okay, so it's hard because a lot of times when we think of our artists, we're thinking of things that people want to create. And so they become a commodity because of their creation. But you also have to keep outputting. Like you have to keep creating or keep achieving or keep doing unless, you know, you want to be disposable. So I'm like, do I want to be doing anything that will require me to do that? But all jobs do. Um, so somebody asked me that the, a question similar the other day. They asked me what singer I would want to be. And I said Jasmine Sullivan simply because... Jasmine Sullivan and the vocals are top tier. Do I want that talent and have nothing to show for it? Like, I don't think I want to do that because there are tons of greatly talented singers that have never reached a Jasmine Sullivan platform. So just having the gift doesn't mean that I would be able to even live that life or be on that platform just because you have the gift. Um, so if I could say, see, this is my long, this is my long game brain. And all of that is just not okay. Hmm. I would, you know what I would do? I would be Serena Williams. Mm. I would be Serena Williams because although her talent her talent requires a lot of like body output, which requires a lot of body maintenance and training and all of those things, 
she doesn't have to keep doing anything to remain relevant, right? She's she's broken records. We know that she is the greatest athlete, and I'm going to say that Serena Williams is the greatest athlete of all time. I would put it on a t-shirt. If you want to be mad, argue with your mother. That has nothing to do with me and her amazing talent. So the greatest athlete of all times is Serena Williams. And so um, I would want to be her and have her talent for tennis. Although she would dare say that her sister is a better tennis player, but I can't tell because Serena is <laughs> Serena is all things. And the life and the legacy that she's gonna be able to build with her talent, um, that is something that I, if, if I cared about, you know, grabbing other people's gifts, it would be that. She's amazing. Okay, love it, love it, love it. See, I thought we was about to have two Jasmine Sullivans in a row. I don't like. No, no, because you know everybody knows a Jasmine Sullivan at their local church. Like it's not the the talent is not for that particular lane is not what makes you great because there's one in every church. I, um, so I'm it, like, what sets you apart? That Serena Williams, that Beyonce energy, that Janet energy. That's that's different. That's different. I, I'll share my opinion later. No, I'm going to share my opinion now. See, okay. the talent, I may not want the, the notoriety for it. I may not want the fame to come with it. I want the talent for my mm -hmm. own personal use. If I could mm -hmm. sing like Jerry LaVert just to my damn self, I'd be happy. That's me, though. Okay? I'm not, I don't care. Like, all that, whatever, give me some places. But <laughs> I like some things just for myself. You mm -hmm. know? But, you know, that's me. I hear you. I ain't mad. <laughs> so, but we on to our next question. And that is, what privileges do you benefit from? Pretty privilege. <laughs> Say it again. No, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is not something that I say easily or in a cocky way. It's just that I recognize that there's a, especially when I was younger, there's a lot of stuff that I got away with just because I look nice. There is a lot of stuff that I can do now because I look a certain way that other people could not. And most of that has to do with men. And now we're censoring men in a conversation, but it's, that's the way of the world. Um, what privileges do I, I privilege, I am privileged uh, because of my education. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I walk with the privilege of being able to go to an institution and get a degree, um, which, which those lanes are changing now, right? They're, they they're definitely changing, but I mean, I was privileged to do that. Um, privilege. Mm. I have privilege within my biological family. I'm my grand, my grandparents' only granddaughter, so I had a lot of privilege with them. Um, privilege. That's it. That's all. I'm, I, that's, and, that's, and that's okay, you know. Yeah. I I don't even oppress people. Okay, I can't. I'm a woman and I'm black. Hey, like I said, in America. Hey, hey, the guest before that thought it was a prank joke that I put out on, <laughs> but it's it's important. But I do appreciate your. I tried. I, you and I think you did a great <laughs> job. I know you did. It's the makers of Bianca. You know, once again. And but our next question is. When did you realize you were different? Probably in third grade when I moved to Florida. 
how all of the kids were Jewish or white and I was black. You yeah. said that earlier. So like uh, seven or eight? Okay. Because okay. like, once again, like I said, with that first response, you hit a lot of questions that I have. So thank you for your response again. Mm-hmm. So jump into our next one. <clears throat> if you had a biopic, who would you have play you? Who would direct it? What would be the rating? And will it go to a network or will it go to the theater? Mine is going to Peacock. Okay, okay, okay. I don't think I've done enough with my life yet to go to the theater. So I'm going to Peacock. Might be Tubi, okay? Oh, God, okay. Uh, <laughs> who is directing it? Um, Carrie Washington is directing it. Mm. Um, who's writing it? Is that who you asked? Hey, if you got, I'm assuming you are writing. But go ahead. No, because you uh, know, I there's see. there's fluff and there's other stuff that's added in these stories. Um, but what would be the rating on Rotten Tomatoes? No, like it would be TV and. Oh, it would be rated R. It's rated. Okay. R. It might be rated. What is the other one after R? NC seventeen. Like, yes. I don't ask me why. Oh, no, no, no. It's like, maybe it's not rated. TVNA. Okay. okay. Um, and then who's playing me? Yes. This is a good one. The obvious answer I'm not going to say because she can't act. And we'll just keep that at that. Um, I know you said go say. Don't, and don't come. You know, wait, type it in the chat. <laughs> Will it come up? I've never seen that before. I never, I never, there's nobody ever uh, recommended me to type anything in the chat. It it shouldn't show up. Okay. No. Hey, don't you better not say that out loud. I'm not. I ain't got no, I don't need no stress. Really? Everybody says that we look alike, and I'm like, the baby is amazing vocally. She's not an actress for me. Um, so who would I have play me? That is so hard to say. I would mm, to say I would play myself is stupid. Um And I'm gonna say no, you can't play yourself. Oh. Um That was funny. Um this is so hard. Dominique Fishback. Oh, okay, okay. She can play me. She can play me. Hey, I'm. I'm I don't watch Swarm about four times already. Really? I like it. Okay. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm from Houston, you know. So they started I'm trying out. Trying to move to Houston. See, this is another thing. Hey, and they kicked it, and they kicked it off very well with that. And I was like, "Hey, this is gonna be good." Cause they, they it was very like, like we're supposed to be doing a review on Swarm either tonight or tomorrow. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. hold out at y'all. Just gotta look for that with black horror humor. Y'all know that's the gotcha. other podcast. So, gotcha. Okay. I don't know if you watch horror movies, but we we cover that. No. Okay. So we take. I like that. suspense and thriller, but not horror or gore. I, See, I don't like gore. Mm-hmm. But I love horror. I love the the edge in your seat feeling that like what's gonna happen next. You I know? can't. I don't like right. being scared. And I love sci-fi. So 
I like it. It's a different feeling. Get you, it gets you moving. Get the people going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But that's enough about that. It's more about you. So, next question: If you were rich, money was an issue. Let's say you're wealthy. Like you can do whatever you want to do with your money, but you had to have one career, one job. What would it be? I would do events. Hmm. I would have an event space. But I will also have an event company that travels. That's what I would do. Super dope. Super dope. I like that a lot. Okay. You're the last. You come into the the, the stretch. Okay. You got maybe. Okay. Hey, are you feeling I, good? Yes, I'm good. Okay. Okay. This is a um, would you rather. Okay. So would you rather go back in time and speak to your younger self? Or would you like your future self and come and talk to you now? Which would you prefer? I would go back in time. Back in time. What age? Like nine. Mm, okay. Nine or ten. Would 9 10-year-old Bianca listen to 35-year-old Bianca? Yep. Because nobody was talking to her. Mm. So, of course. Yeah. Love it. Next question. How do you relax? I relax by watching TV. <laughs> I do relax by watching TV. I, I relax by just taking a nap. Mm. I relax by talking on the phone to my friends. I relax by playing games on my phone. You got games on your phone? I, that's how I relax. And then, yeah, that's how I relax. Okay. 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 Love it. Love, love it. One of my favorite questions. A meal that you can have at the snap of your finger. It has to be one meal, but anytime you wanted it, you can get it. What would it be and who would prepare it? My grandma is making peas and rice. She's making fish with the head on it. She's making conch fritters and um, and maybe plantains. Maybe. Sweet plantain? Maybe, yes, maybe. Mm-hmm. I love plantain. Okay, I never had conch fritters. I never had conch. I don't believe conch. I heard some the, good things about it. The texture is similar to either um, calamari or um, clam, not clams, mussels. Mussels, yeah. Uh, on our previous guest, Aisha, she talked about conch and how that that was her main food was conch, hands down. Mm-hmm. So Where's she from? Uh, Aisha is from New Jersey, but she's oh. currently in Atlanta right now. Well, no, okay. not, she's not in Atlanta right now. She's off on a, uh, she in Kuwait right at the moment. She's okay. in the military, but she good people. I seen the makers of her later. But, okay. we, we, hey, Aisha, but we're talking about Bianca right now. So, Bianca, mm-hmm. how would you want people to remember you? I am one of those people. It wasn't until I watched um, Lauren London was on Angie Martinez's podcast. Mm-hmm. So Lauren London was on Angie Martinez's podcast and she talked about how she thought that her views on death were like very morbid because like she always thought about death and she never talked about it in a weird way. I am the same way. She's my Sagittarius sister. And I was like, wow, you get me, girl. 
I have always, for as long as I can remember, and part of it is probably tied to my thought that I did not value this life to be here because there was so much like heartache and like struggle. Um, so I always thought about my funeral or my home going and what I would, I would, I like got songs planned to people that's going to sing, who's going to eulogize me. I'm like, all I want y'all to do is play Earth, Wind & Fire. I don't want no sad funeral music. Um, I want everybody go, to go do karaoke after. Like I've always just thought about all of the things that I want to happen was such a morbid experience, right? But never how I wanted people to know me or to view me or to think about me because I wanted them to experience something that reminded them of me. So like all of the music and the having fun after and the, uh, the fellowship with people that you haven't seen in a long time, that's me. I'm always bringing the celebration, the party, the fun, the memories, the laughs, because those are the type of um, those are the type of memories and experiences that I like to create for people and and myself. So I I believe that with the life that I lived, not necessarily what I want them to think think of when they think about me, but they will absolutely know that. I loved everyone getting together. I love community. I love my friends. I value friendship. I value showing up. And everything else is on a case-by-case -case basis. Like, you you can't tell people how to experience you. You can hope that you are treating them well enough for them to speak well of you. But you can't win everybody. And that's probably just, like, the, the sad part of it. But that's a very small percentage <laughs> juxtaposed to the people that I know will have um, fond memories and loving memories and excitement and you know do it every year shoot celebrate love yeah. it yeah I love it I love it I love it you got two more questions okay am I boring you are you boring me man absolutely not I like, I, like, you gotta ask our people Y'all better not be bored, okay? This is this is not. Nah, we are enjoying all of this. I so, love it. what changes do you want to see in your culture? It's very difficult to change the things that I want to change within the culture that I identify with without systems acknowledging wrongdoing and providing ways for those changes to be made. And so when I'm like, oh, it would just be so easy if we just, it's never that easy, not in this country, not in this part of the diaspora. Um, and so the, the changes that I would like to see um, are largely held in place by systems of oppression, systems of poverty, systems of inequity, in ways that I don't necessarily think can just be debunked or snuffed out if all of the people within the culture I identify with got together and like, let's make a change. It would not happen that way, unfortunately. Um, so uh, if there are things that I could change within the broader culture that I exist in, which is American culture, I would like to see systems of inequity, poverty, um, and, and uncivil 
behavior and, and thoughts and policies and procedures uh, be, be identified, number one, um, acknowledged for what they are, and then um, completely overhauled in order for the communities that are negatively affected to move forward um, in the fullness of our greatness, as it were. So, um, yeah, that is, that is my response without getting to Asada Shakur on y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm going to throw another question in. Okay, throw it in there. What are you bringing to the culture? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I am bringing, um, I'm bringing my mother's hands and I'm bringing my grandmother's voice and I am bringing years of resiliency. I'm bringing years of recipes and dances and song lyrics passed down nine generations. And I'm bringing uh, authenticity and joy. I am bringing uh, consistency and defense to my culture. I'm always going to defend the culture. Um, I am bringing love and uh, uniqueness to the culture, uh, as well as uh, community and grounding to the culture. Wow. Uh, so. That's what I'm bringing. Wow, wow, wow. I'm glad I asked. Glad <laughs> we appreciate the response. So, the last question we have for you, Bianca. Yes. For the makings of Bianca. Yes. Mm. How can we support you? Ooh, that is um, that is a great question. And I am thankful for those of us that have the minds who ask that. Um, because it it puts that back in the hands of the person that is needing the support to identify what works for them. Oftentimes we want to show up for people and we want to show up in the way that we would want them to show up for us. And that's not necessarily helpful. Right. So um, I thank you for that question. Um, I, I tend to be supported most by people who are affirming and who remind me of my goodness and my light, particularly in these moments, like the last two or three months where I have not felt like myself or I've not felt um, worthy or exemplary or remarkable. Um, and I thank God my best friend has been here from Oakland since January or since February, just kicking it, just, you know, looking for new jobs and whatever. He still has his place back in Oakland, but he's been here and to be able to kick it with him in the same city, which we have not done since we were an undergrad, has been the joy of my life. So to um, be supported and reminded of who I am through the eyes of somebody who has been friends with me for uh, almost 21 years is is wonderful. Um, how else can I be supported? Um, by being kind to, to me, <laughs> to yourself, <laughs> to others. Um, I can be supported by um, 
by not just taking the makings of Bianca and saying that Bianca's an anomaly and she deserves to be believed and protected and loved. But when you're thinking of doing that for me, you extend that same grace to other black women, regardless of whether or not you think they are worthy of deserve or deserving of love, belief, and respect. We all are. So extending, that is another way that you can support me by extending the same grace or reverence or love or um, affirmation that you would extend to me because I'm in front of you explaining it. You would extend that same courtesy to a woman, specifically a black woman that you do not know. Um, how else can I be supported? Um, by not, by not, by not disrespecting the gift giver by not utilizing your gift. Whoever you identify the gift giver to be, you can have very long legs and you think it comes from your mama and you a model, beautiful. That's great. Whoever you think your gift giver is, don't slap them in the face by not using that gift. And every gift use is not going to be on some grand scale. Everybody's not going to be at the Met Gala. Somebody got to be at Waffle House. That does not change the impact of whatever your gift is. Um, so, yeah, those are ways that you can support me. And then, of course, whatever I roll out with um, in the future for different things on social media and music platform related, you would like, comment, subscribe, share, repost, do all of the things uh, for Lovely Melody and the different platforms that I have and the wonderful artists and creatives that I support. Um, that would be fantastic. Wow. Oh, absolutely. And we love it. And yeah. you kind of leaned into right where I was about to go with the next. Mm -hmm. If the people are looking for you, well, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, before we get to that, you did it, you done it, you completed Makings of You with everything culture. I'm so excited, I did it, I made it out. Uh, was it was it difficult, was it hard? Mm. I'm trying to tell folks, folks be scared. I try not to think too much, but, you know, sometimes you can't help yourself. Oh, you're a thinker, I don't hear all that, and it's good yeah. to be a thinker, in my opinion, you know, how you were talking about how um so much negativity and things on television it's, it's so much shallowness on television when i see oh yeah absolutely you came with it and we're grateful for you but if the people are looking for you and you're trying to be found where can they find you they the people can find me on tiktok at lovely melody l-u-v-l-e-e-e -E -E, melody um, that is my at. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Lovely Melody, L U V L E E M E L O D I E. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Lovely Melody with two E's and um, Facebook as Bianca Danae. So that is where I can be found. Okay, and we love it. And thank you again so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, time and time again, I tell folks it's like it's needed. Once again, folks yeah. need to hear. Absolutely. You, I guarantee it's a Bianca, uh, another Bianca out here in this world that need to hear the make of the Bianca. So thank you again. And I'm gonna leave this with our mission statement of everything culture, and that is. Our mission statement comes in the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And that is, he believed that men hate each other because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other. And they don't know each other because of segregation. And because of segregation, we have miscommunication. 
So we built this pillar, uh, built this podcast on the pillars of respect, communication, and consistency. So we can get to know each other, so we can love one another. So I want to say thank you again. Of Bianca, course. Lovely melody. And yes. to having you back on the future back back on the show in the future. God bless. Absolutely. You. Peace.